0: Hello and welcome to the Cloister Bell Podcast. It's the end of the series for the 13th Doctor and this week we're discussing the Battle of Ransko Avkolos. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Cloyster Bell Podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Liam. And today we're talking about the final episode of Series 11. Anyway, hi Liam, how are you doing?
1: Not too bad, thanks. How about you?
0: Yeah, good, thanks. I finally got my tray up.
1: Oh, excellent.
0: Yeah, just today. Mm. Yeah. Um, All in the Christmas spirit now? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) had the Christmas tunes on.
1: All right, good,
0: good. Yeah. Any favourites? Oh, so go- um, I don't know. You? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I asked that, and then I was like, oh, I don't know. Obviously, you've got the classics uh, by Slade and Wizard, and um, the one by Paul McCartney Wings is really good. But one thing yeah. that everyone's been asking is, like, what's your favourite Christmas movie? So, Rob, what's your favourite Christmas movie?
0: Christmas movie? Oh. You know what, I've... I've probably had a few which have been ruined by the kids because they just made me watch them over and over. Oh okay. So, so I've been watching a lot of Home Alone one and two in the past couple of weeks. Oh yeah, they're classics, uh, that's still good. Yeah. But I've I've seen them so many times I'm starting to see all the little flaws. But there aren't <laughs> any Rob, they're perfect movies. They're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Must be just imagining it. Um I watched The Grinch twice today. Oh, okay. Uh, um what about yourself?
1: Yeah, you've got the Home Alone movies, uh, which I think are really good. My personal all-time favourite is The Muppet Christmas Carol. I've got, yeah, I've got very heard. fond memories of that. I remember going to the cinema to see it, and then for many, many years, it became a sort of Christmas tradition where I, I would always watch it on Christmas Eve. Uh, I stopped doing that just a couple of years ago, but that so there's a there was a bit of a nice tradition around it, but I just find it really enjoyable. And I think, and I'm not being ironic, I generally mean this, I think it's the best adaptation of Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So yeah, that, that, that's uh, that's probably my all-time favorite Christmas movie.
0: That's cool. I haven't seen that in quite a while. Uh, I think the two movies that came to define Christmas for me would be Gremlins and Batman Returns.
1: Funny enough, I was just about to mention Batman Returns. That is, I absolutely love. I mean, uh, the uh, the, Ma- uh, the Michael Keaton Batman movies are my all-time uh, favorite of, of Batman. Michael Keaton's, yeah. I think, is the best. Um, but yeah, I love Batman Returns. I've been wanting to watch that. I'll hopefully get around to um, watching it. One movie I have watched recently, and it's it's so. I mean, there's a bit of the, the movie where it is set during Christmas, so it, uh, it you know it it applies. It's a Christmas movie. It's The Godfather. Right. Okay. Um, because that's one of my all-time favourite movies, but I haven't watched it for the last couple of years, and I watched it just this weekend. Gone. Ah. Oh, it's so good. It holds up. There's stuff in there that I hadn't noticed before. Yeah, I love that movie.
0: See, I haven't seen it properly since I was a kid. Um, I I was actually thinking about it the other day. Some, some somehow. Um, and I know like Empire's rated it like the most popular, the best movie of all time, haven't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sort of uh, every now and again they they do a uh, hundred greatest movies, and The Godfather yeah. always tops it, and it is a cracking good movie, but it's no part 2's better i mean one the godfather's <laughs> fantastic it's phenomenal but for me part 2 is just the slightly better movie but anyway
0: yeah, yeah. oh no i watched jaws last week it was just on the telly and i was thinking it came on really late maybe at about 11 o'clock or something mm-hmm. i thought oh god who's going to watch jaws at this time of night uh-huh. but like 2 <laughs> minutes later i was hooked <laughs> <laughs> and yesterday randomly i just put lethal weapon 3 on
1: <laughs> right bit of a confession i haven't seen any other lethal weapon movies yet oh no i know um it's it's been on my to watch list for quite a while
0: that's cool all right we'll, we'll have to um i'll we'll do a lethal weapon podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we'll make it happen
0: um so what else has been happening you've got your something came in the post
1: oh yeah Oh, I was so excited I've been waiting months for it because I pre-ordered it earlier this year and, uh, and then finally arrived on monday uh, and it was the season nineteen blu ray box set mm-hmm. um so getting to to open that up it I know it sounds probably really dark but i i was I was over the moon with it The artwork is amazing mm. uh, I love the artwork and it's just just looking at the box set. is uh, is an experience in of itself and opening it and seeing the the different artwork for each of each of the stories it was really really nice Uh, the booklet's lovely it's got this really distinctive uh, colourful image on the front and the notes have been written by um, uh, Pete McTeague who wrote um, who was the author of the episode Kablam so he's written the the booklet notes for that and I've uh, I've just watched Castrovalva and okay. uh, which is a story that I've always really enjoyed. So you know, I've had it on VHS, I've had it on DVD, and now I've got it on Blu-ray. So it's a story that I've tended to re-watch quite a bit, and it looks amazing. Um, mm-hmm. the The image of it has been spruced up uh, a lot more since since the DVD. The image is so much clearer, the colour's a lot better. You're getting more of the detail. Uh, one thing I noticed as well is uh, I think Mark Ayres must have spruced the sound up again. Okay. Uh, Because the sound sounded really clear and distinctive and crisp, which was nice. Um, And one of the things as well, uh, they did the same with the Season 12 box set, but it looks like some of the stories have had um, some more uh, the option to watch them with CGI uh, special effects updates. And
0: is this optional, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's optional. Um, So I've just watched Cast Revolver with them on, and they're tastefully done. It's not everything, every single thing's updated, just... one or two things that they feel maybe need tweaking, just to you know sell the story a bit more, but mm-hmm. it's but it doesn't punch you in the face as something It doesn't, scr-
0: doesn't feel out of place.
1: No, no, it doesn't feel out of place, and that's one thing that I really like. It's a lot of thought has gone into the the overall look of them.
0: So it's not it's not like watching the Ark in Space where there's a like a CGI kind of space station. No,
1: no, it's not. It's yeah, because I remember when the DVD came out for that, um, it. it I mean the, the the CGI was good but in terms of the story it didn't meld. You were aware that no. it was something modern that was slapped onto it?
0: Yeah. Where was it? It's like it's like sorry when I watched like the 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 first three Star Wars movies mm-hmm. with my wife I have I feel like I have to point out and apologize that some of the CGI is from the 90s.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially with uh with Jabba the Hutt. I yeah. mean, some of it works, some of it doesn't even make sense because, funny enough, I yeah. think um, A New Hope was on television the other day. I, I I was a bit busy, so I didn't watch all of it, I just saw a bit of it. And the bit when um, Luke gets attacked by the sand people, mm-hmm. and you've got R2-D2 who's hiding in a cave, um, they've CGI'd in some more rocks. Ah, uh, okay. Now, the CGI looks good, it looks like realistic rocks, but the way that it's been overlaid, you went, well, how did R2-D2 get in the cave in the first place? Raises more <laughs> yes. questions, this CGI. Mm, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, you mentioned Jabba the Hutt, and I think it's actually been redone again since the special editions. You can look on YouTube and look at the comparisons. It looks a lot better now.
1: Oh, does it? All right, okay. Does, does yeah. uh, Harrison Ford still stand on his tail?
0: Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of know all the differences between the originals. Uh, I've still got the original VHSs mm-hmm. of this of the three um, that I had before '97 when the remastering was done, and I've got, and then I bought the I bought them twice again on VHS since they were remastered. Right. Never never got the DVDs, but I've got the Blu Ray.
1: Right. Okay. Because the thing is, I'm not a massive Star Wars fan, they, yeah. but they are movies that you know I'll happily sit down and watch and enjoy. But even though not being a massive Star Wars fan, when Disney bought the rights and you know they started doing the movies again, there was the, there was the, those rumours that actually what they're going to do is release the original cinematic versions. Of yeah,
0: that's, it's a bit of a myth that's going round. I think a lot of rumours.
1: Yeah, and even as a non fan, I got excited by that. I thought it's all oh, right, okay. It's a shame. It's just a rumour. Because even me, as a non-fan, I got excited by that. I would love to see the original cinematic release. And considering how important they are, you would mm. think something. You know, because there are there are a lot of movies which are have massive c- cinematic importance. And the big mm. thing is, you know, they, you know, you preserve them.
0: Yeah. Well, the originals were available on DVD as a limited edition a few wells a few years ago. Right. But they weren't remastered. And the issue now is, going back to the original film reels, Um, it would be too costly to restore them, because they're in such a bad state.
1: Right, okay. Mm, right, okay. well, considering how lucrative Star Wars is, you can't mm-hmm. be... I'd be very surprised if it's prohibitively expensive.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I know...
1: I mean, because, uh, you know, you, it, you've got fans all around the world who uh, I know fine find well who would be dying to see the original cinematic releases. You've got people such as myself who aren't, mm. who isn't a massive Star Wars fan but, you know, appreciates it for what they are. They're, they're, they're very well-made, enjoyable movies, recognises the importance of them. And I would love to see the original cinematic releases.
0: Mm. It might not be as lucrative as you'd think, though, because when you think a few years ago they were going to remaster... Episodes 1 to 3 in 3D. And they did The Phantom Menace, and they decided it wasn't worth it. So they scrapped the future plans of that.
1: Well, isn't that to do more with the fact of how 3D was just a massive hype? and the, uh, you know, the I suppose so.
0: I haven't seen Han Solo yet, the Solo movie.
1: No, no, uh, neither have I. That was one... Because I saw... Obviously, I've seen the, the main episode ones, and then I saw... Um,
0: yeah, Rogue One.
1: Rogue One, that's it, thanks. Yeah. So I've seen Rogue One. Um, I couldn't see the... I don't want to see an origin story of Han Solo.
0: No, I don't like people being recast. I mean, we've already had young Han Solo, haven't we? Have we? When you, No, when you think about it, in, episode, in, in the original Star Wars. Oh, I see what you mean. He young, was young enough, and now he's noticeably different looking. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, <laughs> it's, yeah. tra- it's, it's strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I'll enjoy it when I watch it. Um... I was thinking about watching Rogue One again soon because it's just come on in Netflix in the UK recently, mm-hmm. so that might give it another watch. It's easier watching things online, than rather than like pulling the Blu-ray off your shelf sometimes. <laughs> oh, and there's some live-action Star Wars series coming out too. Have you heard about those?
1: I've heard, yeah, I've heard something on the grapevine, but none of the detail.
0: Well, Disney's starting their own streaming service mm-hmm. next year, I think. Um, Disney Plus, and they're doing some original programming, and they've got two or three Star Wars live action series coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, The Mandalorian, which is you know Boba Fett.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, the the animated series of Star Wars, and um, the Clone Wars, it kind of elaborated further on um his appearance that um it was this warrior race called the Mandal- Mandalorians, mm-hmm. um. So, the series is just building on that idea. Um, and another series, apparently, is going to be based around the other, the male character in Rogue One, the one who makes it to the end with Jyn Erso. Yeah, yeah. Another thing Disney's doing on this streaming service is they're doing some live-action Marvel series. Right. They're doing a TV show about Loki. Okay. And also Vision and the Scarlet Witch. And another one. Um but with this happening, um, we've also got the Marvel TV shows on Netflix that are systematically getting cancelled, which is a bit of a shame. All right, okay. So I wonder if they're taking the rights away from the television division of Marvel Entertainment and then they're they're making a more a more canon kinda spin off on their streaming service. It's a shame. Have you seen Netflix um TV shows, um Daredevil? Jessica Jones, Defenders.
1: No, no, I haven't, but I have heard good things about them. Um, yeah. I know uh, some other friends who, who who are quite keen on them.
0: Yeah, I enjoy them, but they're just abruptly getting cancelled, which is a shame. Mm. Yeah.
1: Actually, talking to Disney, because uh, one thing that uh, Disney have done is they've released a, a new box set, which is of all the animated movies from 37 to the present, um, mm-hmm. which is great, because... Um, you know, if you, if you if you like movies and you like animation, like I think most of us do, um, you know, Disney's the the thing and they've done some absolutely cracking movies. So to have it all in one box, set, was like, oh, this is really, really great. And I do want to get my hands on it. But <laughs> it's 250 pounds.
0: I was going to guess maybe 300 pounds.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, you could... I mean, I don't know. I haven't worked it out. It, it probably would actually be cheaper buying them in the box set than perhaps buying them individually.
0: Maybe. Yeah. But, as
1: a, as a one, but, a, but as a one massive bulk payment, it, it is a bit much. Yeah. It's as if Christmas is round the corner.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've got so many Disney movies now because um, my daughter's got them. Remember when I was a kid, I'd have maybe three or four Disneys on VHS. Yeah, yeah. And now my daughter's got twenty or thirty of them and she doesn't really care about them.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> She'd she rather watch YouTube.
1: Young people are
0: stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Rob, I'm not joking.
0: <laughs> also I was asked a riddle the other day. Oh right, okay. Uh, well it was a, it was it was for children. Mm. But I got it wrong. So I thought I'll put it to you. Oh um, i have No pressure then. A boy and a doctor were fishing. Mm-hmm. The boy is the doctor's son, but the doctor is not the boy's father. Who is the doctor? The mother? Yes. Alright <laughs> But I thought we've got the new series of Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker and I still overlooked that.
1: Ew disgraceful Rob mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the final episode of the current series, which is the Battle of Rancho Av Kolos, if I pronounce that correctly.
0: So, what are your mm. thoughts? It it was a fine episode. I didn't expect a massive climax. Um, I was thinking something more along the lines of the character drama mm-hmm. side of it, um, which we didn't get. We did get some of, but um, not to the extent that I hoped for. I was hoping for more of a climax, um, for the character narrative, mm-hmm. possibly. What were your thoughts?
1: Well, I thought that the episode started off really, really strong. So we've got these these two characters who are clearly very faith-based, and their faith uh, has enough power for them to create and shift things around. And that was a really, really good scene. There was a teaser that Tim Shaw was going to be the villain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so that was handled really well. Then we had... Then we cut to the far-flung future. Then we have the TARDIS, uh, the TARDIS crew they're investigating there's a mystery there's a man there who doesn't have his memory he's lost his memory there's a whole p- prospect that um that unless you're careful you can basically lose your mind mm-hmm. um in this place unless you've got those uh neural inhabitants or whatever the uh, inhabitants or whatever they're called mm-hmm. uh and there was it felt like there was this tremendous sense of of scale in the episode and um I loved the location. It was sort of uh, the return of quarries back into Doctor Who. But it, loved, yeah, it, but it looked sir. really, really good. And seeing the crashed spaceships and having that massive monolith up in the sky. And the transporter to that. Um, there seemed to be a lot of promise. And then, I've got to admit, I got bored. I thought that the episode dragged a bit. And I've got to admit, I was very disappointed with this. Um, it was an episode that I went into with possibly high expectations because I've enjoyed the entire run of the series and it was going to be interesting of how it's how it's going to end. There seemed to be a lot of promise and potential. There were really nice ideas there to begin with. And then, you know, those two characters who are faith-based and they've been able to manipulate the world and everything like that. Yeah. They were pretty much there at the beginning and at the end. They didn't seem to do much and that was a shame because there was a lot of potential there. Um Ryan and Graham are told to find two more... Uh, t- to go and find the, the the crew members who have gone missing. And then they find out there are actually more people who have been imprisoned. But mm. it's never explained who or why they are there. So that felt a bit disappointing. Um,
0: Did you think at any time that perhaps it wasn't Tim Shaw behind the mask? No. No. I was wondering if... Because we, we didn't see his actual face for a little while, mm-hmm. I thought that maybe there was going to be a bit of a twist, but there wasn't. I mean, his yeah.
1: reveal I thought was really well handled, and again, because I think he was a great character and very creepy and very, you know, the way that we first saw him in the very first episode, the woman who fell to Earth, because we spoke about about that in the podcast when we reviewed that episode of how how creepy uh, and eerie his character was, and it was, and in that respect, it was nice to see him come back, and. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that he was, the 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 way that the episode was directed and the the cinematography and the lighting really really helped that. So that that was nicely done. But um, I am, it's such a shame. I've got how disappointed I was at the end and the final twenty minutes watching it. I just thought there was an awful lot of padding. Yeah. Which, considering the ideas that the episode contained. It's really surprising. There was a lot of potential in there and Chris Chibnall didn't really tap into it for me.
0: No, I agree with that. Um, and inside the monolith, it it was more of um, one of those situations where they just used the back of the studio kind of thing, wasn't it? It didn't feel like an elaborate set that they made, which is a shame because they have made some really cool sets like um, the Saranga Conundrum. Mm-hmm. It was quite good. I think they could have... Perhaps had a more elaborate setting for the inside there.
1: Yeah, and and given re- given that this was created uh, in a you know by two incredibly powerful people who could create anything and everything.
0: Yeah, and the 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 name dropped the word dimensional engineering, didn't it? Mm-hmm. At some point with regards to the sh- with regards to the craft, and then. It was a bit of a um, lame interior.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the fact that, you know, when they enter the TARDIS, they totally understand how it's bigger on the inside than the outside because of their um, their ability to create these dimensions and so on, which mm. is a tremendous idea. It's, yeah. it, it's a great idea. And Doctor Who's tapped on the power of faith, the curse of Fenric, in terms of something... Uh, and then you had uh, Christopher, uh, Christopher Bidmead, who wrote Logopolis, and he was talking about how maths can be incredibly powerful in order to create entire worlds and events. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so it's it's a good idea, and here we're tapping into people's faith. So uh, about being able to you know create things and change environments and so on. So there's a really there's a really good idea there,
0: but it wasn't explored enough. It was used more of. Just to simply give Tim Shaw the power that he needed.
1: Yeah. In the story. Yeah. And the way that those character yeah, the way that those characters were utilised, it did feel a bit sort of like they were just used as there as a plot point rather mm-hmm. than incredibly interesting characters, which given the way that the series has progressed and the way that it has been character driven is really surprising. Mm-hmm. Chris Chibnall has shown his, his strength. In being able to create characters and fashion a series where we see these characters progress um, so to have this as a series final where that's a weak point is is disappointing
0: hmm yeah maybe his skills have been a bit overstretched this series perhaps as a writer
1: maybe i mean I don't I, mm-hmm. I don't I mean i don't want to go too... i mean cause clearly he's a very talented writer and he's shown that he's very in my opinion i think he's shown himself to be very good for doctor who mm-hmm. um i just think cuz i mean this is a totally fresh series but in some respects you could compare it to the classic series where every story has by and large been an individual adventure and then we get um a massive series finale which is in some respects separate but we have this returning character so it's the, it's loosely linked to the first episode in that respect um, yeah. but that's that was one of the if so if you go back to the classic series you can have a fantastic run if you if you're taking it as a whole but if you have a la, if you have a story at the end of the series which doesn't meet expectations for one mm-hmm. reason or another, it's it's perhaps even more of a disappointment than it normally would have been. Yeah, I think that if, if this episode had been perhaps broadcast in the middle of the series, I still think I would have had some reservations and be a bit disappointed with it, but I don't think my disappointment would have been as high as it is because it's actually supposed to be the series finale, Yeah, and it felt a bit flat.
0: Well, we shouldn't forget that we've got quite an explosive episode in a couple of weeks anyway.
1: Yes, that's true. We do have the New Year's uh, special, which I am looking forward to. But the, I've always sort of trekked the Christmas specials and what's going to be the New Year's special as separate from the ongoing series.
0: Yeah, not just a bookend to the series. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah. Mm. And it's uh, it was a bit. I, I mean, one of the the biggest, one of the the biggest things about this story was was Graham
0: and his sense of revenge. Yeah, he, he still had a lot of resentment towards Tim Shaw, mm-hmm. didn't didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was an interesting part of it. And uh, I think my favorite part of the story was maybe um, in the quarry, um, Graham's conflict with the Doctor. You know when he's when he says he's gonna if he's he's gonna kill Shaw, mm-hmm. and the Doctor says no, you're not. Yeah. Um, but they came. They came to both assume authority on the matter. In Graham's, it like, well, yes, I am. But I thought that was a good moment.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I don't know whether you felt this as the hope, but when I when I was watching the episode, I've got to admit that sense of Graham's uh, Graham's powerful sense of revenge, I thought was forced. Watching it, I went, "Where on earth's this come from?" Because that hasn't been the way that in the previous episode, seeing how his character has developed. Mm-hmm. yes he's been hurting that um he's lost grace but there's been a the sense that you know he is mature and he's you know he's dealing with that sense of loss this sense of revenge for me mm-hmm. felt like it came completely out of nowhere
0: yeah i get that completely yeah mm-hmm. um because i didn't see it coming no um but even though i, I did think it was a bit intriguing that's good
1: no don't get me wrong because I felt so I felt it was forced but having said that though the, in, sorry I felt it was forced in terms of the way that we have seen this character develop during the series but in terms of how it was written in the episode I think it was well written and as you say that mm-hmm. scene before where he's talking to the doctor and he's being honest and you know that they're both being very strong in mm-hmm. the, uh, in their opinions at the time yeah that that was a really good scene uh, I don't think it was any particular surprise that Graham decided not to kill Tim Shaw, mm-hmm. but I do wonder, you know, because there's this whole idea of of killing Tim Shaw is is the worst thing for Graham to do, but what Graham and Ryan do is imprison him for all eternity. Is that suppo- mm-hmm. I mean, is that supposed to be an act of kindness? Because it doesn't. It, I think that's a bit
0: debatable. Yeah, they could have just left him behind, couldn't they? Um, but it's interesting. That Ryan didn't have this um, feeling of revenge,
2: Mm mm-hmm
0: isn't it? And he's obviously younger, but he there was there wasn't a moment where he um, felt the same as Graham.
1: No, no, that's true. One thing that did uh, spring to mind was that the whole thing about how um, these five planets um, have been shrunk and condensed Mm -hmm. uh, as trophies uh, reminded me of the Pirate Planet.
0: Yeah, 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 but it's also interesting that the Doctor justified using, using bombs, and she didn't even know what they were, these crystals.
1: Yeah, that is one aspect, because don't get me wrong, I like Jodie Whittaker, and I like her Doctor, but this one thing that has, because I mentioned it when we were looking at um, the Witchfinders, there does seem to be a bit of a preachiness to the way that we're supposed to be dealing with people who are threat, you know, who are threats or threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, in *The Witchfinder*, we have one of the monsters who's re- who's refusing to listen, um, c- cannot be imprisoned, uh, still wishes to dis- you know t- take over and destroy the entire earth. So King James. Um, kills the monster and the doctor then goes on a high horse and going oh no you shouldn't have done that but what on earth was he supposed to do mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, yeah. she, uh, the monster wasn't listening to reason was clearly still going to be a threat couldn't be imprisoned and all the rest of it and i felt that in some respects this episode sort of went down that line a bit um whether that be whether that's um a deliberate choice that chris chibnall has written in for the character just to be taken as at face value and that's where the character's going to go or this is going to be something that we that we look at in terms of the Doctor when the show comes back I don't know but I mean one thing that the show has always done from the very beginning in terms of the character of the Doctor is to show that you know always do your best always try and look out for the best outcome but people are complicated And even the best people can have blood on their hands.
0: Yeah. So there's two ways of looking at it. Either the doctor is a bit of a hypocrite Mm -hmm. using violence whenever she feels like it. Um, Or she's making an educated guess on the situation and um, just, well, still kind of making up the rules Mm -hmm. for herself as she goes along. Um, But, yeah, it does seem to a bit back and forward with the Doctor's moral stance rather than being progressively better. Yeah. And the Doctor half-invented wellies.
1: <laughs> Apparently.
0: Which half, though?
1: <laughs> Probably the top half, the bit that's useless.
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> and then Wellington the, the, came the along... The really went, floppy bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then Wellington came along and went, nah, needs to be better. <laughs>
0: I don't know why, but the um, first thing that came into my mind was um, With Neil and I. You know, when I, <laughs> Richard Griffiths gives them money to go get some Wellington boots. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not completely unrelated to the uh, episode, but I just, I don't know, strangely came into my head.
1: <laughs> oh, I want I need to watch every watch that movie yeah. again now.
0: Could we base a podcast on that movie? Like, by extension, it could be classed as Doctor Who, couldn't it?
1: Well, I mean, I've got a Blu-ray uh, copy of, of With Neil and I, which has been signed by Paul McGann. Uh, Paul McGann played the Eighth Doctor. But I, um, do you remember a while back I had this running joke where anything that featured the, the main actor who played a Doctor
0: could
1: <laughs> try and make a canon?
0: Yes. Well, With Neil and I, you've got two Doctors, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and... They might just not realise that they're both the Doctor. I mean, they've both got bouts of amnesia.
1: <laughs> Brought on by alcohol, yep. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Um, Richard Griffiths could be the master. Yes. He is the villain of the story.
1: <laughs> I just remember just trying it when when it was revealed that John Hurt was the war doctor. <laughs> and then trying to make a Midnight Express <laughs> canon. Which is a great movie, but thoroughly depressing. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. All oh, right. Okay. okay. Oh, it's... um. It's loosely based on a true story um, about an American who was trying to smuggle marijuana outside Turkey, but got caught and then was imprisoned um, in a Turkish prison and, and is dealing with it. And John Hurt is in it, and John Hurt plays one of the one of the federal prisoners. And ah, um, oh, it's re- it's so tragic what happens to his character. Um, yeah. But yeah, trying try to get that. I'd try and make a canon in terms of Doctor Who it's, that, that, that's when uh, the War Doctor just had a massive nervous breakdown before <laughs> okay. before Day of the Doctor he went right I need to sort this out but anyway
0: okay so that's something to do next year we'll <laughs> go out looking for missing War Doctor adventures but we'll have, to, we'll, we'll have to find the ones where John Hurt doesn't die and he does die in a lot of his movies doesn't he
1: yeah that's true
0: so yeah, we couldn't count. So Alien. has there ever has there ever been a John Hurt movie that he hasn't died in?
1: Um, I can't I can't think of one off the top of my head, but um, we'll just put it down to you know Artron energy and being able to sort of like re- regenerate a little bit. Yeah. And then would that mean that Alien Three is canon because it's got Paul McGann in it? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, way, madness
0: lies. I remember Doctor Who magazine referenced that movie. Um, one of the Doctor's companions. Um, says, "Oh, I feel like an extra in an alien movie," <laughs> and, and, and the doctor's like, "Oh, I know what you mean," and he <laughs> kind of looks a bit sad.
1: <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, I wish I read that. That's, that's quite funny. <laughs> I remember when it was uh, the Doctor Who's thirty-fifth anniversary, um, and Doctor Who magazine did uh, did, did this brilliant comic uh, celebrating it, but it was uh, but but it was comedic. So you had okay. so you had the beige guardian, um, who was this really tragic figure because no one would take him seriously. So um, he gets all the doctors, and it's this sort of this really ridiculous mad adventure. Um, but I remember really enjoying that, and I thought that was quite funny. I want to dig that out and read it now.
0: The sniper bot has got. Caught in their own crossfire, mm-hmm. didn't they? Yeah, yeah. That reminded me of the Time War, when Galapri disappeared.
1: Oh, right. oh, yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the Daleks.
0: And there was a couple of other little throwbacks, wasn't there? There was. Um,
1: There's a reference to Boomtown.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Turned... Um, a Slavina to an egg. Blonde Fell Forge Passivier de Slavina, I think was that name. We met um, Annette Badland, didn't we?
1: Yes, yes, we did.
0: Yeah, she's really small in real life.
1: <laughs> all the things to say. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, she is.
0: Well, you don't notice it, day you, when people are on TV?
1: No, that's true. <laughs> Why would you? But yeah. <laughs> it's a It's a surprise we never said that to her. You're so small <laughs> in real life. Wow.
0: <laughs> and so all the crashed ships around the monolith, the vanquished, who were they?
1: Yeah. Whether that gets picked up or something, but yeah. I doubt it.
0: Yeah. I suppose he's been there, what was it, 3,000 odd years? Yeah. So it could just be any randomness coming to check it out, couldn't it?
1: Hmm. Because, again, I thought that was going to be something that um, maybe was picked up on, but wasn't. It did remind me of the Brain of Morbius, initially. Ah, okay. You know how yeah. there's there's all those crashed spaceships?
0: Yeah. So there wasn't much to say about Yasmin this episode, was there, Really?
1: No, that's true. I mean, I'm, the sense that I'm getting is that they're trying to make um, the Doctor and Yaz a lot closer as companions. Mm-hmm. Whether that turns into something a bit more than that, I'm not too sure. But at the moment, that seems to be the direction that they're going in. Um, it's it's going to be interesting how, they, how we see more of Graham and Ryan's characterisation because that was another thing. It felt like that this episode, it's gone as far as it can.
0: Yeah, how much further can it go? Mm. Unless they've developed this bond now, maybe the only way it goes down, downhill from here. Um, if one of the, if one of them dies or goes, goes their wrong way, maybe. Yeah. So, what's your thoughts on the show returning in twenty twenty?
1: yeah when that because uh, I first came across that news on Twitter and I thought that was just some sort of joke, but when it turned out uh, and then when I read the the official b b c announcement mm-hmm. I was really surprised at that um and I'm a bit concerned before going to why i mean what we, what was your reaction
0: um well my reaction wasn't as bad as everyone else's. I was kind of glad it was just coming back mm. and I don't know if they announced when it's coming back exactly. For example, if it's coming back early 2020, that's what I've read. Then that's just that's just a year to wait, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. For example, if it, came, if it came out in the first few months of the year, then you're just pretty much waiting a little over a year anyway. It's not like you're waiting two years. I'm not concerned that it's coming back late. My concern is all the rumors about what's happened behind the scenes.
1: Right. Okay. I'm not. I'm not familiar with those rumors. So, what are they?
0: Well, I haven't read too much into it because, I, I just kind of take them with a pinch of salt, anyway. But um, some of the rumors were that, the wouldn't she would be only returning for one more series, and also Chibnall would be leaving after that series, Um and also, that, uh, it would only be a six episode series. Um, but then again, I don't really, I don't really pay much attention to these rumors. It mm-hmm. uh, was just something I came across. I hadn't came, had went out looking for them.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I wonder where those rumors have come from. But yeah, my initial reaction from, from hearing from what you've just said is that's got to be hogwash. The reason why I was a bit concerned was, I mean, it is probably me just being pessimistic. But I was thinking, so a pu- so the, the scheduling in Doctor Who has been a bit weird over the last few years. So you've had, apart from the Christmas special in 2016, we didn't have a series. So there was only one episode in the whole of 2016.
0: Um, That's right, we had two Christmas specials back to back, didn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then um, then following the end of Peter Capaldi as, as the Doctor, there's then been a 15-month wait ...for us to get Series 11. So Series 11, we have an entire new production team... ...new Doctor, new companions. And no sooner have they been established... ...we're now taking a break. Now, yeah, you did say that... ...if we're taking the New Year special into account... ...and if the, the new series is going to be broadcast in early 2020... Um, ...it'll just be a year. But given all that... ...my sense impression is that... ...given that long of a gap rather than having a series in 2019 which is what we would do scheduling mm-hmm. wise i mean yeah i think that when it comes to it most people would have just moved on and not be that interested in watching it regardless of how good or bad it is i think yeah obviously fans will tune in but in terms but of but
0: it's gonna, it's going to lose, lose momentum isn't it it's go, it's, that it's been gaining with a lot of people
1: yeah yeah it's going to lose momentum so yeah i i'm i'm just really surprised that the next series is scheduled for twenty twenty.
0: It's a bit of a shame.
1: It is, yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know what the reasons are. It, it just—it seems a very odd decision.
0: So the New Year's Day trailer—it mm-hmm. didn't give too much away, but it seemed exciting.
1: Yeah, it did. I thought it was a very good se- uh, trailer, and it looked—it did—does uh, look really exciting. And of course, it sparked off all these rumours that. Because it's hinted at that there's going to be the sole villain of maybe the dogs are coming back.
0: Yeah. That's the way it comes across. Mm-hmm. So, final thoughts on this episode? I thought it was um, a decent story, if only for the character stuff, mm-hmm. you know, with Ryan and Graham that we've been getting. But I think I would have preferred something better. A bigger payoff would have been better.
1: I think my thing is... There were some very good ideas within the episode which weren't really tapped into. Um, it left me feeling a bit flat. I thought there was an awful lot of padding within the episode, which is odd considering that there was a lot of potential with the ideas that were explored. Um, so I've got to say I was a bit disappointed with the story. It, um, I did find myself being bored through some of it, which for a program like Doctor Who it um it, regardless of whether you like the story or not it shouldn't be boring
0: no not uh, at all
1: uh, and I've got to admit so the, be- the beginning of the episode was very strong but towards mm. the, the final 20 minutes of it I just felt a bit underwhelmed I'm afraid to say
0: yeah and some of the series finales have been quite memorable haven't they mm-hmm. like the partner of the ways um, and then again with series 2 and three mm-hmm. and so on, and obviously that there was the the big um, the big one series four, um, Matt Smith's first series was at the Pandora opens?
1: Yes, I thought that was a very good uh, season good finale. One. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was um, more of a small scale kind of um, ending, wasn't it? Because there wasn't a main villain to face off with.
1: No, no, but there was a sense of scale. Mm. About it, about how it was tying up, uh, loose ends, covering the entire series. That it was the Doctor saving the entire universe again. Yeah. But it was. But it was. It was. Sort of but again, kind of-
0: it was. It was the first time that hadn't brought in the Daleks or the Master as the big villain at the end. No, not I mean, even though, even even though the Daleks and the Cybermen were present.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's our thoughts on the final episode of the series. What are your thoughts on the series as a whole?
0: Hmm. Not. As many memorable stories um, as I'd hoped for. Obviously, I I remember them because we've um, we've explored them in detail. Mm-hmm. But I thought there'd be more thought-provoking stories and maybe better drama, more intelligent stories for the Doctor. But in some respects, it's been a bit underwhelming. When your hopes are so high, you know, you never really n- know what to expect when there's a new showrunner involved, mm-hmm. especially a new Doctor but overall it's been a well produced series.
1: Yeah, I mean so I mean my feeling of it is with the I have been disappointed with the season finale, but putting that to one side, I think the series as a whole has been one that I have enjoyed an awful lot. You're right in the sense that there hasn't been an epic sense of scale that perhaps we're used to in science fiction and in terms of what we've seen in uh, in a prior series of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. This was a bit more stripped backed It was focusing more on character and the stories were relatively simplistic, but that—but I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory sense. I think this was much. I think this was a much welcomed approach. One of the things that I felt that was a bit of a problem towards the end of Stephen Moffat's time as a writer, that the show was being too bogged down in very good uh, ideas, but far too complicated. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the, and there's nothing wrong with Doctor Who doing complicated uh, narratives, but it felt like it had been doing it for an awful lot, awful long time to the point where the show felt a bit bogged down and hermetically sealed a bit. This felt like someone was just opening the windows up and uh, letting some fresh air in. I really, I have really enjoyed this series. I think, uh, I think on the whole, Chris Chibnall should and everyone else involved in making it should be very proud. You touched on the production values. I think, yeah, the production on this series has been phenomenal the show has never looked so good it looked it's it the times where it's generally been very very beautiful to look at um mm-hmm. and i think on the whole i have i have enjoyed the series and my experience of it, is from 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 friends who are friends who are non-fans they found something to like and mm-hmm. and have felt it gripping and engaging, and I think that that focus on character has some has helped ground the show um, an awful lot when it needed it, when it needed to, and at the end of it as well, we've got Jodie Whittaker who I think was very very good casting. She's been she's played the doc, doctor brilliantly, yeah. and all the companions as well. Have you have you ranked the episodes?
0: I haven't actually. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll try and guess how you've ranked them. I suppose. Alright. Okay. J- just have you ranked them? What, like, One to ten.
1: Oh no. I ha- um. I suppose. Yeah. Th-
0: ranked them w- worst to best. No.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have. I sort of. Uh, so oh, okay. number ten's my least favorite of the series, with number one being being my favorite.
0: Hmm. So I'm gonna say some of your favorites mm-hmm. would be the woman who fell to earth. Hmm. The Ghost Monument, Mm -hmm. Demons of the Punjab, The Witch Finders, Mm -hmm. possibly, and Rosa. And I I think your least favorites would probably be maybe Arachnids, Suranga, Kablam. And it takes you away. Go on then, so how did you rank them? So,
1: number 10, The Battle of Rancho Coloss, Number 9, Demons of the Punjab. Number eight, uh, the Saranga Sur- Conundrum. Number seven, Arachnids in the UK. Six, It Takes You Away. Five, kablam mm-hmm. Four, The Ghost Monument. Then inner number three is The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Inner number two is Rosa. And so number one is The Witchfinders.
0: Okay, Witchfinders number one, that's cool. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching them all again.
1: I think I've just watched them on just the once after broadcasting them, yeah. but uh, this would be a series that I'd be quite happily rewatch at some point.
0: Yeah, I I used to like wait until the box set came out to rewatch them. Mm-hmm. It's it's now that we've got iPlayer and we can record them now. <laughs> I did um when the revival came out in 2005, mm-hmm. I was recording them on VHS at the time, so I've still I've still got those somewhere. Oh, have you alright? I mean, I know we were actively using DVDs for a long time by that time, but <laughs> it was hard to record back then, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because there was this strange gap between VHS coming to an end. You couldn't re. I mean, it, I suppose there was the technology around, but it wasn't readily available for, for people to on... record on DVD. So there was a bit of a gap until you got something like a TiVo box or whatever so you could record. Yeah. Because it was a bit weird when you started to get that and you're going, now you can record your TV programs. It was like, yeah, we were able to do that years ago. Yeah. It's, it's taken ages to kind of catch up digitally. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
0: And it kind of puts me off buying the box sets as well because when when the time comes for me to buy it, I've still got it saved on my TiVo box mm-hmm. and it's probably also on iPlayer as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think if it's, if it's something that I really like, then I think I will make the effort to, to buy, to to buy the box set or whatever, because I'm one of those I, li- I like having it um, having a tangible item to enjoy.
0: So, what's your thoughts on the digital revolution with um, physical copies going away? Does it does it concern you a lot?
1: No, because I don't think I don't think we'll get I don't think we'll get rid of physical copies of things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, digital will take over because of the convenience of it, but people will always want things. Um, And you, I mean, you can kind of see this with video games. You can either download it digitally or you can get a sort of vanilla physical copy of it, or you can get it all in a fancy presentation box with a whole load of goodies chucked in it and then sold at an extortionate price. And that sort of covers the market um, mm-hmm. for everyone's possible needs uh, because people want things or people want to give someone a present or people like receiving presents. So, uh, and I mean, we're seeing this with music. Music is a really good example of this because you can get it digitally. Um, so you can download it there, which which I do. Uh, and for, it's instant. And it's yeah. instant. Uh, so there's a the convenience there. But I also like the physical... Um, the physical thing in my hands so uh so you can get um, you know a cd or vinyl mm-hmm. i mean it's it's really interesting now that v- vinyls have made a resurgence in recent years as we know and i think they're going to stay cd's it... despite people's predictions a few years ago that people are still buying cd's mhm um so no, I don't think the digital revolution means people will stop buying physical copies of things.
0: Yeah. That was my concern yet a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, still now, I'm reluctant to get a digital copy. Um, unless, like you say, it's um, a game or something, because a lot of the cases you can get for a reduced price, like on, on with PC games, if you're on Steam, Mm-hmm. You can get you can get like eighty percent off a game or more, um, and especially with games now, you don't get much when you buy the game. You don't even get like a manual anymore, do you? No, no. It's just the case and the disc.
1: I mean, one of the things that I quite like. So one of because uh, I'm really into movies, and one of the things I like is getting the they're called the Masters of Cinema. And so what they do is they release um movies which are considered to be cinematically important from different genres and all around the world and in different periods of time so what they do is they do all the research that they need on the film restore them and then release them uh on dvd or blu-ray and they also make a point of providing a booklet with them which in this day, because that used to be the standard, but in this day, day and age, is quite rare. But it's really nice if you're if you're really into movies and you're discovering these these new films, you're effectively getting mini essays on them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's quite a nice touch. And I know that so going back to TV shows and movies, so yes, you've got subscriptions for things like Netflix or Amazon Prime, and then you've got iPlayer where you can rewatch and then you can record films. Or TV shows as well, but there's also the option to digitally purchase movies, uh, and I think this is where it's a bit of a rip-off If you dig, if you digitally purchase a movie, and you can buy them for the same price as you would get a DVD.
0: Mm-hmm. But, In some cases, you'd pay more. Yeah, especially with especially with games. But it seems like.
1: But you're not getting the special features no. that you get on on the actual physical copy, so you're paying the yeah. same amount. But you're not getting the extra material for that same amount. No. So in that sense, it's a bit of a rip-off.
0: In some cases, you get alternative extras. If you get movies off iTunes, for example, mm-hmm. it does come... Some and Sometimes they do come with special features, or they'll come with exclusive features. Yeah. So sometimes is more of an incentive to go for digital.
1: Well, what was... I mean, if you're sort of interested in this sort of thing, because I remember when they were talking about, um, this was uh, quite a few years ago now, but they were talking about how CDs were going to become a thing of the past. So I remember reading an article which was, it was it was talking about this, but it was comparing how previous media formats, when they die, before they die, uh, the makers tend to chuck in a whole load of special features. So they used examples that, so when it was the end of the VHS, that's when you started getting fil- uh, video, uh, when you started getting commentaries. Yeah. So what you would do is you would have the movie on the VHS, which would then be immediately followed by the film again, but with a commentary on it. And that was the, that. was a medium that was dire. <laughs> but yeah. to try and trump up as much purchases as possible towards the end of it, they stuck on this extra thing. And they were predicting the same was happening with CDs, because now we were getting CDs... With re-releasing albums, but then they were just sticking a whole load of extra tracks on the end of them. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that that's actually turned out to be a complete fallacy, as as, as we've been talking about. Um, and because th- the thing is, when... Because actually the complete opposite happened when DVDs came out. Sorry, uh, when Blu-rays came out. Um, so rather than bunging a whole load of DVDs, uh, special features on the DVDs, they actually did the opposite, where they released the same... Film or whatever, on the two different formats, but to encourage yeah. you to mo- upgrade to the Blu-ray, that that would have all the special features on. Yeah, but it wouldn't be on the DVD release.
0: Mm-hmm. I find it strange that Blu-ray doesn't seem to be as popular. You know, when you go into supermarkets, mm-hmm. um, I've noticed that the Blu-ray lines significantly dropped. You might have a top ten, or in some cases, they might not even sell Blu-rays in the cell are quite an extensive um, collection of DVDs um, and me personally I'd prefer to go for Blu-ray anyway I mean it's not much difference in price but the difference in quality is big
1: yes I mean I'm a big um, I'm a big fan of Blu-rays the reason being is because it's an upscaled image if you're talking about classic TV series or classic uh, movies in particular um, well, all the movies, they have to be remastered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's one of the reasons why I, I much prefer Blu-rays over DVDs because they're forced to basically get the movie, look after it, restore it, uh, for you to enjoy it in the best possible quality. I mean, what's been interesting during our lifetime is we've had VHS, laser discs, but they didn't really become a thing. Um, Blu-rays, uh, sorry, DVDs, Blu-rays, and now we've got 4K.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm quite happy just sticking with Blu-ray. I don't think I'm going to upscale to 4K.
0: No. There's a few things I've got in 4K because I've wanted to get the steelbook, and as an incentive to get the steelbook, they the put the seller on 4K. <laughs>
1: oh, right, okay.
0: Yeah, so that's another example of trying to... Ins- is giving you an incentive to upgrade. hmm <laughs> um but i fell for it and then in maybe 2012 2013 i occasionally started getting 3d blu-rays even though i didn't have a 3d telly just to kind of future-proof my collection for the kind of things i did want to see in 3d one day Mm. and now that's gone away pretty much hasn't it
1: yeah i mean i've never been a massive fan of 3d and i've always seen it as as a bit of a gimmick uh and 3D only tends to pop up when filmmakers are concerned. So it came out in the 1950s when filmmakers were concerned that television was going to be a massive competitor. Mm-hmm. Then it came out in the 1980s because um, people attending cinemas did drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a flash in the pan. And then there was the concern over pirated copies. Um, and then that, w- that, w- that was the most recent uh, thing. But it, regardless of what they do with the technology, it'll always be a gimmick. Um, mm. Because in order for you to enjoy 3D, you will always have to wear something on your face. I mean, I'm short-sighted, so I have to wear spectacles. So mm. wearing
0: glasses on top of my glasses... Um, it, I, was, I was really concerned when I first went to see Avatar. I was thinking, am I going to have to take my glasses off? I'll not be able to see this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, they fit, fit fine, though.
1: Well, it was funny because a couple of years back there was, there was this chap who tried to take um, the whole concept of, of 3D movies to the European Court of Human Rights. Because in order for you to enjoy 3D properly, you actually have to be fully sighted, like twenty twenty mm-hmm. vision. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: the fact that you had this massive thing which didn't allow for that, this guy, obviously it failed because it was just stupid. Yeah. But I mean, my big thing is the whole, the whole idea that 3D is, some, is supposed to be immersive and for you to engage in the thing properly, well, is a nonsense, because either the 3D doesn't work, in which case you're disappointed, or if it does work, you're just going, ooh, this 3D's really good, and you're not really paying attention to the story. No. And you don't need 3D if, if, mm-hmm. if whatever it is is good and you're enjoying it. You don't need 3D in order to immerse yourself in it.
0: And a lot of the time it's more of a commercial decision than a creative one, isn't it? Um, if The last film we went to see was The Predator. And that was, it was announced in post-production that they were going to do a 3D release of it. So that's another example of it being just a commercial decision.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I'm really surprised that they're they're doing 3D this late on in the game. Because, I mean, when was the last time you spoke to someone who said that they're going to see a 3D movie?
0: Mm, Yeah, nobody. uh, To be honest, I do go on, I do spend a little bit extra on 3D when I'm going to see films with my wife, like if we go and see one of the major Marvel movies, right? Um, we'll just just we'll just pay the extra few quid and go and see it in IMAX 3D, mm-hmm. just for the sake of it. But generally, um, sm- smaller scale movies, you know, we just we just see the regular showing.
1: And... Well, actually, because um, when Star Wars Episode Seven came out. Um, I had one group of friends who said, oh, we're going to see it. Um, do you want to see it with us? And I went, yeah, 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 no problem. He went, well, we haven't decided on a date yet. Um, we'll book the tickets and let you know. I was like, all right, great. And then the day before it was released, I had another group of friends who went, "All oh, right, we're actually going to see it. Do you want to watch it with us? And I went, all right, yeah, okay. N- uh, not realizing until much later on that actually they were taking me to the midnight showing. Okay. Which was, uh, thankfully, I was off work the following day. Um But it's like a oh, midnight show. All right, okay, f- fair enough. It's a lot later than I expected. And then when I got there, it was a three D showing. Um So I was like, oh, for goodness' sake! But actually, it was three D IMAX. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got to say, I have got to say that, even though I'm not a massive fan of three D, three D IMAX, it, there's a huge improvement from just normal three D.
0: Yeah, because I'd spent a few years um at the Odeon, watching the real d 3d that they've got mm-hmm. and i've I've noticed the difference in imax
1: so i think if you are going to watch it in 3d uh i would suggest imax but anyway mm-hmm. going back so i, ended up, so I ended up watching it and i really enjoyed it and then you know got home about three in the morning or whatever it was and then later that day my other group of friends went right we're seeing it today <laughs> so i saw star wars episode 7 twice in less than 24 hours oh my god <laughs> but um but i didn't mind because it was an enjoyable movie and it was it was with good company but what was interesting was when we're seeing it with uh, the midnight showing because obviously it was it was all adults mm-hmm. when it came to the death of hound solo oh well, sorry spoilers oh, it came out years ago um <laughs> When Han Solo dies in it, everyone was just like, Yeah, I expected that But when I went to see it earlier on uh, sorry, later on, um, because now it was at a more reasonable time, so it was a, it was it was a mixture of people watching it, including um families with their kids, and it was quite nice seeing the kids being, you know, totally surprised and devastated. Um at that you know, just anyway. Yeah, Didn't know what That's point interesting. I'm making, but yeah. <laughs>
0: We attempted to just scream it out before it happened. Spoil it, spoil it in the queue. I'm not a dick. <laughs> no, no. Well, you'd been up all, up all night, hadn't you? You were, you were cranky. You just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. Had, had to endure it in 3D.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening this week. We'll be returning. Most likely after the New Year, is that right, Liam?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. One of the things we're going to be doing is uh, it'll just be a couple of a uh, couple of weeks waited, so we will be back very soon. It yeah. will be early January next year. But one of the things we'll be doing is, in a sort of way, is effectively relaunching the podcast because um, we basically hit the ground running with the new series and the way that we've been reviewing the episodes, there's there's certain things that we've liked about the way that we've done it, there's certain things that we feel like we could do better. So we're just having a a bit of a break just to iron out the issues, uh, iron out the creases, if you like. Yeah. Um, I think it was
0: still, even though we didn't have that much experience, I think it was a good time for us to get started, wasn't it? Um, When the new series started, It, it kind of encouraged us to keep going with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, because we'd been talking about wanting to do a Doctor Who podcast and then given that there was a new series around the corner when we finally needed our colours to the mask saying that, right, finally we're going to start doing it. Yeah. Um, and then the new series starts, so it made sense of, right, well, let's be contemporary and chat on about the, the new series. So, yeah, it made sense. But, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so what we're going to be doing, uh, listeners, is just taking a couple of weeks off, but we will be back. Uh, in the early in the new year, where we'll be talking about the New Year special, and then because twenty nineteen is going to be the twentieth anniversary of Big Finish.
0: Um, well, Big Finish Doctor Who. I think twenty eighteen was the the anniversary of Bernie Summerfield.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's when... right. So, mm. um, so that that'll be a perfect opportunity to look at. Um, one side of Doctor Who, which perhaps doesn't get an awful lot of coverage, despite the fact that it is massively popular and is really rather good. So we'll be mm-hmm. looking at the big Finnish audio adventures as well as classic Doctor Who, new Who episodes. We'll be t- one thing that we will be uh, keeping on top of as well as Doctor Who news in general. So we'll be talking about things that are current in Doctor Who with whatever that will be at the time. So yeah, we'll be talking about uh, Doctor Who news, stuff in general, of they course, like any any,
0: any DVDs, Blu-rays, merchandise that's coming out. Yeah, not not that we'll be looking at everything in general, but um, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye out. For mm-hmm. Things to talk about.
1: So until then, we wish you all a very merry Christmas and a happy new year.